Well, good morning, everyone. So glad that you are here today on this Memorial Day weekend. Happy Memorial Day weekend. We are going to continue today with our topic on authentic Christianity. And we're going to look at James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Now, sometimes when Pastor Mark asks me to speak, I, some, I feel like it is a divine intervention where God really speaks about a certain topic, but I think this topic today, my wife might have had something to do with it. You will notice the topic is called Shut My Mouth. Well, you can read in that as you will, but if you would, if you have your Bible, open up to James chapter 3, and that's where we're going to begin this morning. Years ago, when we, my wife and I were first pregnant with our first child, uh, we were big SeaWorld, SeaWorld fans. We would travel to San Diego from Las Vegas, where we lived, often to go to SeaWorld. And Angie was eight months pregnant. It was July, and we were at the park, and we loved seeing all the animals. We always tended to find a certain animal or some type of wildlife or water life that was our favorite. And this year, in this July, SeaWorld had two unbelievable beluga whales. They trained these beluga whales. They uh, entertained crowds. with. The, they were cute. They were adorable. We loved them. We kept going back to see those beluga whales. Well, a couple weeks after we got back from that trip, my wife and I were invited to some friends' homes, uh, home to a swim party. And uh, I swam over through the pool, through the water to my wife who was sitting on the edge. And I thought I would be that hopeless romantic husband. And I looked at her and I said, honey, you are my cute beluga whale. Yeah, right now I can hear gasps all over the world uh, for that comment. Um, you know, uh, talking can get us into trouble, can it? And I know right now there are some men, some husbands looking over at their wives, sheepishly knowing that they have said some things in time where they look back and go, oh, man, I wish I would have never said that. People like to talk. We do. We, we can find anything to talk about. There are talk shows about everything and anything. People love to be heard. And I wanted to share with you this morning some statistics about our love of talking. Did you know that we have 30 conversations on average a day and that we speak for one-fifth of our lifetime is all about talking? I would imagine in this time of being quarantined and stuck at home that maybe half of those conversations are with ourselves, but we do like to have conversations. Do you know in one year, an average person can fill 66 books with 800 pages of words just from talking? We love to talk. Communication is an important part of who we are, but none more than what comes out of our mouth. So that means we need to be careful because our tongue can get us into so much trouble. James chapter 3 talks about that issue, but not just only in chapter 3, but if you noticed at all, James throughout his book talks about speech. He talks about talking and speaking more than any New Testament writer because it's an important piece to his message to the people he's writing to. He doesn't pull any punches. He's pretty tough about it, but as hard as James can be, we can learn about how we need to be careful with this thing called the tongue. We can learn some things. So this passage this morning is about a tongue that is out of control. This passage is going to tell us about how we need to be under control and prevent the damage that it can cause us in our life. So why do we need to be careful about it? Why do we need to be careful about the words that come out of our mouth? Well, one day our words will come back to us. So let's begin in James chapter 3, looking at verse 1. 
Because there will be a time that we will all stand before God in judgment. And that's an important piece leading in to verse 1. It says this, Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we shall incur a stricter judgment. And then to follow up with that, Matthew talks about this as well. He talks about it in chapter 12, verse 36, where he says, But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. Right off the bat, James says, teachers, be careful. You're going to be judged at a higher level because of the words. So who are these teachers? Well, let's be honest. The truth is, most of us are teachers to some level. Parents, you are constantly teaching your children. Friends who give advice to other friends, you're teaching others. We have influence and we teach sometime in our life, someone, something. Recently, I watched the 10-part documentary on the Michael Jordan and the story of the 1990s Chicago Bulls. And what I found so compelling about that documentary was not so much about Michael Jordan, but about his coach, Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson had, to, had one of the toughest jobs in the world at that time, if you think about it. He had to coach most arguably one of the best players in NBA history. He had to coach one of the toughest guys to control in Dennis Rodman. He had to coach one of the 50 greatest basketball players of all time in Scottie Pippen. You get those three guys, Michael Jordan, Dennis Rodman, Scottie Pippen together, that's a handful to coach. But what I watched and I, what I saw in Phil Jackson was that he used his words to influence. He used his, his life to model what he wanted from those players. Those players could have easily gone out and coached themselves and won, but he earned their respect by the strong words that he chose, by his life as, a, as an example to follow. And those players, some of the best of all time, respected Phil Jackson. James reminds us that we will be held accountable for how we guide others with our words. Well, why? Why will we be held accountable for that? Well, a teacher is responsible to teach the truth, not an opinion. See, right now in our world, this philosophy is around the opinion. We can give in our opinion and think that's the way we should all live. But in all reality, we've got to guide people. We've got to lead and we've got to speak the truth. And where does the truth come from? The truth comes from God's word. It has to. It has to come from God's word. That's the truth we base all of the words that come out of our mouth upon. What a teacher says will affect many lives. You know, there is a huge responsibility for me, for Pastor Mark, for Pastor Libin, for Pastor Juan Carlos, whomever stands on this stage to present truth to you. We have the ability to crush trust or to grow trust by the words that come out of our mouth. It is a huge responsibility. And every time we stand on here, we need to be open before God to make certain, and as I prayed this morning, that my words wouldn't come out, but God's word would come out. Because I know that the words I speak will have an effect on people's lives. That any pastor who stands before you has that responsibility as a teacher. I want to be careful with that responsibility. I want to make certain that I'm bringing the truth into your home, into your life. A teacher is expected to model the truth. You don't want me up here to encourage you to live some way or live, to prevent you from living another way, and I don't model that, and I don't live that out. You don't want me to tell you to do something, and I go do the complete opposite. 
You want me to live out the truth that I speak to you in my own everyday life. The things that I say and the things that I do and my behaviors need to represent and be in line with what I say to you and how I speak to you and how others speak and lead you. Look what Proverbs chapter 18, verse 20 says. You have to live with the consequences of everything you say. Wow, everything. That is crazy to think about. Consequences of everything. One day, the words, our words, will come back to us. So we better be careful about what we say and how we say it because our words shape us the way we shape our words. When we share those words and they shape, they will eventually come back to shape us. If I was to ask you right now to flash back to a time when you were a child and, and your parents said something to you that you remember, I would imagine that almost every one of you can go right back to a moment. Strong words that were given to you by your parents and sometimes they were even negative. And those words stayed with you and held, you held on to them. And to this day, no matter how old you are, you can go all the way back in time to that moment and you remember those words exactly as they were spoken to you. That is why we have to be careful how we speak to our children, how we have to be careful how we speak to our spouse, to our coworkers, to our neighbors, to people we come in contact with. When I was in second grade, I was a little bit of a troublemaker. I know that surprises a lot of you. I get it, I get it. But I was in second grade, and I got myself in enough trouble that the teacher had called for a parent-teacher conference, and I was going to be included in that conference. And I'll remember it like it was yesterday. I remember it like it was yesterday. The teacher looking at me and saying, Tim, you're going to grow up to be a thief. I was like, what? You know, imagine if I would have taken those words and I would have just chewed on those words as a second grader eight years old, going, I'm going to be a thief? And then what if those words shaped me from that day forward? We've got to be careful about what we say. See, our tongue can set the course for the rest of our life. Continuing in James chapter 3, we see verse 2. It says this, For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. See, what I think James is saying here is that if we gain control of our tongue, we become spiritually mature. Get that. We grow by controlling our tongue. And we're able to control every other area of life. Just by controlling the words that come out of our mouth, we can control every other area of our life. Why is that so important to know? Because the tongue is the spotlight to the heart. Matthew chapter 12, verses 34 and 35 say, For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. I want us to notice two words in this passage. The first one is overflow. Our heart acts like a reservoir. Our heart gathers all of the emotions and feelings and everything that goes on in our life that we love and we don't like and we, we kind of fill it up in our heart. And, and at some point, it's like a, a, a reservoir being overflowed with water that's got to go somewhere. It's got to go over the banks. And that's when we, ha we use our mouth to express what's in our heart. You've had that moment where you've experienced something so exciting. Your heart is full and it's like this is the greatest moment and you're like I've got to tell somebody this is unbelievable and then boom it's the overflow of your heart the other area is the words stored up 
we're always storing up in our heart from the music we listen to, from the books that we read, from the TV shows and the movies we watch, everything we store up in our heart. And out of that storage flows the words that are been, we've been influenced by. Imagine a little boy who hangs out with a bunch of other little boys, and that little group of little boys tends to cuss a lot and swear a lot, and their language is really salty. And over time, that little boy is going to store up in his heart that type of language, and eventually that language is going to be expressed through his tongue. But as that boy grows up, he tends to hang out then with people from church, and he starts to hang out in his youth group, and he starts to hang out with people who love God and they worship God, and all of a sudden his heart is now stored up with words of worship and love for God, and his voice changes because of the influence of other people. It's what we store up in our heart. We store up what the Bible calls evil things. If we do that, evil things will eventually come out, and we've got to be so careful about what we store up. Our tongue controls our whole life because our tongue is simply a reflection of our heart. So whatever you do, don't ever underestimate the tongue. Continue on in chapter 3 of James. We look at verses 3 and 4. It says, now if we put the bits into the horse's mouth so that they may obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Behold, the ships also. Though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a small rudder. Wherever the inclination of the pilot desires, moves the boat. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. Think for a second. No horse has ever bridled itself. No horse has ever put the bit into its mouth on its own. Okay, It hasn't done it on its own. So normally we don't bridle ourselves as well. Matter of fact, we would trust that the Holy Spirit would put the bit of God's word into our mouth to help control our tongue. See, when the trainer wants the horse to stop, he pulls back on the reins and that bit presses down on the tongue and that horse stops. We must allow the bit of God's word to control us as well and to bridle what we say and how we say it. Psalm 39.1 says, I will take heed to my ways. I will sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle. The four-inch, two-ounce muscle in our mouth called the tongue can, can and will control your entire life. It can control your home. It can control the atmosphere of a church. It can control how you interact in your relationships. It is a powerful muscle, but so small, but yet so powerful in our mouth. Our tongue can destroy what we have. James goes on in verse 5 and says, Behold, how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. A fire can destroy, scar, mutilate. It can tear down. It can completely eliminate, so can our tongue. If you stop and think about it, every evil thing finds its expression at least to some degree from our tongue. It has the ability to contaminate everything in our life. It can control our moods. It can control our attitudes, how we view every situation in life. It has the ability to de destroy everything around us. A matter of fact, James chapter 3, verse 6 tells us that its effect comes from hell itself. When we use the tongue to destroy, to scar, to mutilate, to hurt, we are 
being used by Satan for his purpose. That's some serious stuff. Stuff that we need to be so conscious of. Well, look at the other descriptions that James gives of the tongue. In verse 8, he says, But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. Our tongue has the ability to destroy what we have. Proverbs 21, verse 23 says, If you want to stay out of trouble, be careful what you say. If you want to stay out of trouble, be careful of what you say. Now, I really wish I would have lived that out when I was dating my wife before we got married. Uh, we, were, we dated for two years before we got married, but about eight months into our dating, I felt disconnect, disconnected from Angie. And at one point, I said, I can't, I can't continue. So I decided to break up with Angie. And I remember Angie asking me, she's like, why do you want to break up? And I said these words verbatim. I'm looking for the perfect woman, and you're not it. I know I hear the gasping all around the world. Ladies, please, before you judge me too harshly. I was young. I was naive. It's all I can tell in terms of excuses. Luckily, within a week, I was groveling, begging for Angie to take me back. I learned the errors of my ways, and, and fortunately, she took me back. And for some of you women right now are like, really? We've got to talk to the woman. But I'm glad that she took me back. But see, you know what? We can also choose to use our tongue for great good. For great good. Just as our tongue can be used for negative things, we can use it for positive things in the lives in others as well. We can bless others with the words that we, we, we use. We can lift them up. We can change the directory of their life. We can encourage them. We can catapult them to new heights by simply using words that bring life, that bless them in their life in their, where they're currently living. We can use our tongue to encourage others. It's a tough life right now. Okay, we can admit that, right? It is tough right now. We need each other. We need people praying for us. We need people encouraging us. We need people to come alongside of us and say words that will uplift and, and support and, and, and be loving. We need that right now in our life. So what does encouragement look like? Look what it says in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 24. Kind words are like honey. Sweet to the soul and healthy to the body. There are some people who are struggling right now. They're going through tough times financially, relationally, emotionally, spiritually. Today, more than ever, we need people to come alongside these people to encourage them. You are encouragers. This church is a church of encouragers. This church has the gift of love. So if I had one application for you today, one point of application it would be this. Would you pick up your phone today and text somebody? Would you invite somebody to a Zoom call? Would you reach out to somebody, maybe make a phone call to somebody? And would you encourage someone today? Would you bring words of life to someone that needs encouragement today? That's all I'm asking of this message, that you would use your words for great good and you would encourage somebody today. That would be incredible because this church is incredible and we're an incredibly encouraging church. See, we have a choice. We can encourage or we can choose not to encourage. Job's ta Job talks about this choice in chapter 16, verses 4 and 5. He says, I could spout off criticisms against you and shake my head at you, but that's not what I would do. I would speak in a way that helps you. I would try to take away your grief. 
anyone can criticize. It doesn't take a gift to criticize, to put down, to not encourage. People who are able to turn situations into opportunities to uplift and encourage, they're the mature ones. They're the godly ones. And we know that our tongue is being used as an asset when we hear ourselves encouraging others. So how do we do it? How do we tame this tongue? Okay, if James says it's untamable, how do we do it? How do we control something that seems to be uncontrollable? Well, look at verses 7 and 8 of James chapter 3. James goes on to say, For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But, not, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. You name the, the, the animal and someone somewhere has tamed it. But no one can tame the tongue. No one except God. Winston Churchill once said, the power of man has grown in every sphere except over himself. There can be a taming of the tongue. Even though we can't do it ourselves, we have to know they can only come from the power of God. The word tame is, only, is found only in one other area in the New Testament. It's found in a passage of Mark chapter 5, and it's referring to a demon-possessed man at Gadara. James is comparing an uncontrolled or untamed tongue to a demon-possessed man. It's untamed, uncontrollable, and unruly. And then James goes on to compare our tongue, our untamed tongue, to a snake bite. Just as the bite of a snake can inject poison into our system and pose a great danger to us, so can a loose tongue inject poison of lies, deceits, and rumors. It is full of passion it's full of poison. It's full of tremendous capability and capacity. It is a careless tongue. Well, with the remaining time I have this morning, I would like to share with you four ways that I think you can begin to control and tame your tongue. So here we go, four steps. Step number one, begin with real repentance. If you are struggling with your tongue, we need to be honest about that. And we need to go to the Lord and ask for his forgiveness and then not just stop there. We need to go to the people that we have said words that have, been, that have torn them down, that have been criticizing, that have been hurtful, and we need to seek their forgiveness as well. We know the Lord's gonna forgive us, but we need to restore those relationships as well. We need to pursue reconciliation. We need to go in what Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 31 says, where he says, rid yourself of all the offenses you have committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. We know when we confess and we remove the junk that's in our, our world and in our heart, we remove that and our heart is now new. It's fresh, it's clean, it's pure. And we can begin. It all starts with repentance. Step two, give, other, give others the benefit of the doubt. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 4, he says, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. So what does it mean to give people the benefit of the doubt? That means that sometimes we overlook some of the things that they do. We cut them some slack. We show them love and grace and mercy instead of jumping on them for everything that they're doing. That you sometimes overlook some of their mistakes. See, if you can't do that, if you can't give people the benefit of the doubt. It may not be that there's something wrong with them. There might be something wrong with you, and I'm just being honest. 
If you right now are at a time in this crazy world where you're barking at people and you're complaining and you're jumping on people and you're not giving them the benefit of the doubt and you're not overlooking some of the things that they're doing, I mean, this is a crazy time. This is a time where we need to be gentle. We need to have peace and joy and kindness and self-control. But if we can't do that, we need to take a step back and go, wait a minute, what is going on inside of me? What's going on in my heart condition? Why am I jumping on everybody about everything? And that leads to step number three. Stop critical remarks. Paul tells us in chapter two of Philippians, verses 14 and 15, do everything without what? Complaining or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like the stars in the universe. Do you know what this passage is saying? We need to stop griping and stop complaining and stop grumbling and stop criticizing and jumping on people and stop being negative all the time about every little thing that's going on. The truth is, when we choose to respond in the right way, we feel better about ourselves, don't you? Do you feel better when you're griping and complaining? No. Actually, when we start griping and complaining, we want to do more of it because we're afraid to look inward. We want to deflect everything away from our heart condition and place blame on someone else. So instead of doing that, you know what we do? We just kind of deflect it all away. But what if... What if we stopped criticizing? What if we stopped grumbling and complaining? What if we started to act out of love? The movement not only affects the other person, but it affects the words, the very words coming out of your mouth. Your words change because you decided not to be critical. Instead, you act out of love and you build somebody up instead of tearing somebody down. We need to be wise and know that something needs to be addressed. There'll be, there'll be times, I'm not telling you to overlook everything, but be wise and know when there are things that you need to address and when there are things that need to be overlooked. And step four, talk less and listen more. You want to learn to tame the uncontrollable, untamable tongue? Talk less, listen more. Flashing back to James chapter 1, verse 19. This you know, my beloved brethren, but let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Pastor Mark shared with me a list of Texas wisdom, and I thought I would pass that on to you this morning as we close. Texas wisdom, never slap a man who's chewing tobacco. Good wisdom. Never kick a cow chip on a hot day. Probably pretty good wisdom. There's two theories to arguing with a woman. Neither one works. Don't squat with your spurs on. And finally, never miss a good chance to stop talking. The last one, that one lines up with the Bible, doesn't it? You know, when I was a boy, there was an old saying, and we still hear it today, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. The truth is, however, I've learned over time that that's not so true. You know, I've had some injuries as a baseball player, torn a few hamstrings, uh, hurt my shoulder, broke some bones. But over time, those bones, those injuries healed, and I know they've recovered from the damage. However, all the things that I've heard said to me that have been hurtful have stayed with me. I haven't been able to heal from some of those things. I still have the wounds from them. Words can hurt. James seeks to advise us to watch our words. And he says, may the Holy Spirit help us to not have a careless tongue, but may we possess a controlled tongue, and may we say with the psalmist, 
May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord. Would you pray with me? God, this morning we offer to you our heart and our tongue. Lord, we offer these to you this morning because in all reality, the greatest responsibility we have is to honor you and to bring glory to you. Our heart and our tongue need to be able to be filled with what brings honor to you. So Lord, would you clean our hearts this morning? Would you wash us clean? Would you move us to repentance if we need to? Would you help us to be quieter when we need to be? Would you help us to stop being critical? Would you move us to be more encouraging toward others? Would you move us today so that we would be in a reflection of you, that our heart condition would be filled be full of the truth from your word, that your spirit would have full reign in our lives to speak what you'd want us to speak so we would bring life to other people. Lord, may we today seek forgiveness, knowing you forgive us in all things, that we may change so our heart would be new and our spirit would be new so we could bring the love to others that they need to hear from us today. And Lord, I pray right now if there's anyone watching this, listening, that is being just moved to want to commit their lives. Today they've been wanting and waiting for that moment to surrender their lives to Christ, that they would do that today. They would reach up to you and they would invite you into this personal relationship, that they would surrender their lives to you today, Lord, so they would have this changing, transforming life that only you can bring. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the book of James and what you're teaching us through it. We pray all of this in your son's name. Amen. Thank you again for being with us this morning. We have an unbelievable purpose here. And you all say it with me. I know my family is going to say it with me this morning. It is to what? To love and lead all people to life change in Christ. Hey, before you leave, I'm going to ask you to watch this video. This morning, we're going to honor our veterans on this Memorial Day weekend. Would you take a look at this video now?